Hello, and welcome to What's Going On, Eyes on Africa and the Caribbean. Join us as we follow social and economic development issues in and around Africa and the Caribbean. If it relates to Africa, the Caribbean, and the people of the African diaspora, we'll talk about it. What's Going On, Eyes on Africa and the Caribbean wants you to stay connected to the people and places that you love. So join us. We're your hosts. Maranke Ocean Martin and Grace Ocean. Welcome to What's Going On? Eyes on Africa and the Caribbean. Our guest is Colin Bob Sample. Those of us who've been following us will know that in our last episode, Colin explained what is now known as the Windrush Scandal and what caused the Windrush Scandal and how UK's Caribbean population became ensnared in an immigration policy called the Hostile Environment Policy, which was devised by UK's Home Office under the leadership of former Prime Minister Theresa May, who was then the Home Secretary. The hostile environment policy created havoc on the lives of countless legitimate residents who believed that they were protected as British citizens, only to discover that they had been reclassified under the hostile environment policy as illegal immigrants and as a result, faced deportation. In this episode, we continue our conversation on the hostile environment created by the Home Office with a closer look at the devastated lives of people who were, in fact, legal residents of the UK. Here's Paulette Wilson and her daughter, Natalie Barnes, explaining to The Guardian News in 2018, how the hostile environment policy affected them. The hostile environment made me feel like I I was an alien, like I didn't exist. I'm seeing my mum, she's changed, she's not the same person. And like she said with her, sometimes I can be talking to her and I'm talking and I'm saying, isn't it mum? And she's like, what? And it's like she's in her own little world. And I say, Mom, you need to stop thinking and worrying because the more you think and worrying, it's going to make you ill. There was one time I went to see my mum and she wouldn't open the door. And I said, Mom, I can hear you. I know you're in there. Open the door. And she opened the door and she was in bits. She was crying. And I said, what's wrong? And she said, I just, I just don't know. And I, she said, I go to, into my room and I feel like I'm in Yarl's Wood. I mean, I've had people die around me and... I've never had that feeling that I had when they, um, my mum phoned me and said that she was going, she's been detained and she's going on to Bedfordshire. I actually dropped to the floor, to tell you the truth, and I just wasn't myself after that. It is a pleasure to have you here uh, with us, Colin. Thank you, Marunke. Great. As tough as this law has been on the Windrush generation. Some people have argued that the hostile environment policy was necessary to rid the country of illegal immigrants. What do you say to that? Of um, articles appeared in The Guardian publicizing the unfairness in the whole policy and the way in which the legislation was being used unfairly against 
black people in particular, black and brown people, if you wish to um, look in terms of color, right. um, uh, people mainly from the Caribbean and some from Ghana and Nigeria as well. Now, was this roughly the same time that you, because you circulated a petition at some point, tell us a little bit about that. Well, there were several petitions that people had launched. Um, There were a couple of very large petitions. When I say large petitions, um, there were over 100,000 signatures on a couple of petitions. Mm -hmm. My petition was focused um, not so much on the Windrush generation who were suffering terribly because I thought the other petitions Mm -hmm. that had been submitted dealt very well with uh, the devastating effects uh, that were suffered by members of the Windrush generation, many of whom, as, as I've said, had come in as children on their relatives' passports and couldn't prove uh, their uh, right to stay in the UK, although that couldn't prove that they had entered lawfully. My petition was directed to reviewing the legislation because I saw the evil in the law. And as a lawyer of many years standing, I believed and I still believe that the main way forward is to ensure that that legislation goes, that at least it's reformed and substantially amended so that no home office official could use it to remove people unfairly. The legislation is still in force. The 2014 and 2016 Acts, which amend the 1971 Immigration Act, Those acts are still in force. And my argument, my thesis, is that the hostile environment is still in effect through the legislation, which can be used at any time to remove certain people. I I wouldn't put it any higher than that. Okay, you went straight to the heart of it because that's the issue, that's the problem. It's in the law. Yes, exactly. The issue is in the law. Yes. And unless the law is changed, I don't think the policy will change. The policy is based on the law. And unless everybody goes back through parliament, changes it, amends it, reforms the law, we're going to have the hostile environment, you, they're, they're calling it a different name now. Um, they're, they're not saying it's a hostile environment. I, I forget what they're calling it. Yeah. They're calling it something else. But it, it's, uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's still a hostile environment for 
what's called illegal immigrants. I'm not saying that illegal immigrants should be entertained. What I'm saying is that the law should not be unfairly used against perfectly lawful immigrants or entrants simply because they cannot show papers going back 50 years or more. Yeah. That's my argument. So how was your petition received? What's the status of that? Um, It only received 479 signatures. So it it fell flat. Are you going to reintroduce? Um, I I argue that this, this 479 people who supported me were people of insight and quality. Uh, you don't think maybe it didn't go far enough? Maybe you didn't distribute broadly enough? Um, maybe, maybe people not. didn't see it. Maybe not. Maybe not. I, I accept that entirely. Maybe not. So perhaps but, you should reintroduce it. Uh, well, that that petition is now defunct. Okay. I can't use it uh, again. So... Unless I draft uh, a different petition uh, and um, circulate it, I don't think I can take that further. However, having said that, uh, I believe that there has been enough publicity over these issues to enable the government to take the necessary action to amend the legislation. Do you think they will? I, I, I don't want to express an opinion on that. Okay. Um, because are, you you hope, have, are you hopeful that they will take uh, do what they are supposed to do or should do? I am hopeful that they will see sense (laughs) in my very modest suggestion. I don't think my my suggestion is a radical one. It's a simple one. Amend the the law. Amend the law because it's bad law. Yes. Reform the law because it's bad law. It's having a deleterious effect on Several thousands of people. Um, look at Bristol. Um, I, I'm giving you examples of Dexter Bristol, uh, Hubert Howard, Sarah O'Connor, uh, and uh, Paulette Wilson. Um, Dexter Bristol, first of all, uh, he came to London from Grenada. Note Grenada, not Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Um, when he was eight years old, he was a British subject a citizen uh, of the UK and colonies. Grenada was still a British colony at that time. That was before the independence. He had been prevented from commencing a cleaning job. Uh, Of course, he went to school and and so on and uh, started employment. But there came a time when he was prevented from commencing a cleaning job uh, and had been denied unemployment benefits as officials did not consider that he was legally in the UK. Hmm. 
Dexter Bristol died in 2018, age 57, whilst he was still desperately trying to gather the necessary documentation to prove his status. I'd suggest that was a premature death. Absolutely. The next... Uh, sorry? No, I said absolutely at 57. Yes, yes. The stress that the poor man must have um, gone through. Indeed, indeed. The next is Sarah O'Connor. She arrived in the UK from Jamaica when she was six years old in 1967. She worked for 16 years in one job in a high street computer shop, and then she lost her job. She couldn't receive benefits. She tried to apply for naturalization, but the fee for naturalization was 1,200 pounds. Hmm. She wasn't then working and she couldn't afford it. She became insolvent. You know, talking about stress, the bailiffs came to her home to levy execution on her goods because she couldn't pay her way. Her landlord then began the process of evicting her. But there's good and bad news here. She managed to put in for uh, her citizenship and she received it in July 2018, shortly before she sadly died. Doctors said that the cause of her death in 2018 was high blood pressure. She was 61 at the time of her death. Mm. I, I think she was 61. I, I, I can be corrected if I'm wrong about that. Okay, but, that's but just fair I, enough. I, I, th I think she was in her um, early 60s. Uh, next person I, I want to mention uh, is Hubert Howard. Hubert Howard arrived in the UK from Jamaica aged three years hmm. in 1960 on his mother's British colonial passport. Jamaica was then uh, uh, still a British colony. Right. Uh, he, of course, went to school and got a, a good job and so on and so forth. But he eventually lost a good job. Uh, and when he applied for benefits, he was denied those benefits. He was also unable to travel to visit his mother in Jamaica before she died because he didn't have a passport. Hmm. He struggled for 13 years to prove to the Home Office that he was legal. Remember I said that the onus was on the individual to prove their legality, to yeah. prove that they had entered lawfully. Now, Hubert Howard calculated that he was owed £25,000 a year 
in lost earnings for five years, a total of 125,000 pounds. He became very ill in the summer of 2019 and died age 62, stressed out due to the home office issues. Mm. And the, the fourth example I want to give is that of Paulette Wilson. Paulette Wilson's case was highlighted, as, as well as these other cases, but Paulette Wilson's was probably the most highlighted of all, both in Amelia Gentleman's book uh, on the um, Windrush, called the Windrush Betrayal, Amelia Gentleman is a Guardian journalist. Yes. I understand that she is our present Prime Minister Boris Johnson's sister-in-law. I understand that she's married to Boris Johnson's brother. Uh, but anyway, uh, <laughs> it, uh, that's an interesting uh, piece of information. It certainly is. Yes. But um, Amelia, uh, gentlemen, first and foremost, um, in her reporting, exposed the hostile environment policies and the unfairness and breaches of human rights that occurred um, among mainly Caribbean people. Paulette Wilson um, was, was the one I talked about, whose case was well publicized, both um, in the Guardian articles and in Amelia Gentleman's book. Right. Paulette had traveled to the UK from Jamaica. She didn't come in by ship. She came in by um, British Overseas Airways Corporation, BOAC, mm -hmm. in 1968. She was age 11 or 12, and she said that she came in in the winter, and it was freezing cold at the time, and so on. But anyway, she remembers um, that very well. But interestingly enough, she worked for many years in the canteen of the House of Commons of all places. She unfortunately misplaced the Jamaican passport that she arrived on as a child. So she then was placed in the category of an undocumented immigrant, as far as the Home Office was concerned. In August 2015, she received a notice of immigration decision. And there was a, another title, liability for removal. And she said, you know, this is nonsense. You know, I've, I've lived there since I'm a child. I've lived, worked, paid my taxes, everything else. Um, 
this can't be right, you see? That they, they'll be removing me from the UK, sending me back to Jamaica, um, where I uh, was born. The notice she received told her that anyone who employed her would be subject to a £20,000 fine, that her landlord would be fined for failing to spot her irregular immigration status, that she could be charged for National Health Service, NHS treatment. Hmm. She was arrested and detained in a detention center called Yarl's Wood. Y-A-R-L apostrophe S Wood. But she was released after she'd spent a week in custody because her case was well publicized. Um, but that experience traumatized her. Yeah. You know, she spent a week in custody, you know, for nothing. For nothing. Yeah. She wrote a letter to the Home Office pleading with the Home Office. But eventually, she died age 64 last year. Her letter fell on deaf ears, you see. It was a very, very sad case. And all these cases were mm -hmm. very sad cases. Now, there have been a number of reports um, and I'm not going to go through all of them because there's there's no time to go through all the reports. But I'll just list some of the reports that were conducted over this Windrush hostile environment issue. The first report... Uh, that I've seen was a report by the Comptroller and Auditor General based on fieldwork conducted in August and September 2018, which found that the Home Office Department had decided to narrowly focus its historical reviews on individuals from the Caribbean. That's an interesting report mm -hmm. by an official and um, the second uh, report I'd like to refer to uh, is that by David Bolt, the independent chief inspector of borders and immigration, reported in 2020 that the Home Office Department had in error placed some persons on a list for removal who had been refused a right of abode in the UK. The third uh, report that I'd like to mention uh, is a review, an independent review conducted by Wendy Williams, which found that the Home Office Department had made several errors in classifying a large number of Caribbean people of African descent 
as illegal immigrants and proceeded with enforcement measures meant for illegal immigrants, including detention, removal, prevention of some from returning to the UK, following trips abroad, denial of access to work, housing, driving licenses, banking, medical and other services. Wendy Williams made 30 recommendations for change and improvement. And that's a, a third report. And there are two more. And then I'll close. <laughs> All right? Um, the fourth report was also in 2020 by the Equality and Human Rights Commission, which reported that the Home Office did not comply with Section 149 of the Equality Act 2010, which is the public sector equality duty. There, there's a duty on the Home Office to ensure uh, equality of treatment for all citizens. Mm -hmm. uh, and it recommended that the Home Office should enter into an agreement with the Commission uh, under Section 23 of the Equality Act 2006. I don't know if they've yet entered into agreement. Um, they may well have done, uh, but that was uh, in last year's report uh, in the recommendation that was made in that report. And the fifth uh, fifth report to which I'd like to refer um, is uh, one in this year where the Institute for Public Policy Research recently re recommended that key parts of the Immigration Acts of 2014 and 2016 should be reformed or replaced. I wonder if they read my petition. I was just going to say that, Colin. <laughs> they didn't sign, but they took it. It seems to me that they read your report. Well, remember, my petition was in 2018. It would this up. report was this year. Yeah, they woke up to it after the fact, and I suspect after it became public in the media. Well, ho hopefully I can take credit for that. I, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. But that's the position. All right? Interesting. So, this is so fascinating. I believe that if they didn't want to affect so many people unnecessarily, they would have curtailed the breadth of that policy or looked at the impact and determined that this is really not what was intended. They needed to go back to the drawing board to fix things. So I understand now the hostility, the 
Blacks and brown people in the UK are, yeah. are feeling, you know, the feeling that the government cannot be trusted and that they're not interested in the well-being of a, a large member of its population because this could have been easily averted. This problem could have easily um, be dealt with. I'm not a lawyer, but I know that there are certain things that could have been done Yes. Uh, to mitigate the damage. And well, the government has offered compensation. Well, yes. Uh, and they've, and, they've and issued compensation to a number of people. I just want to have you talk about it very briefly for us because we need to hear this and you've laid it out in a way that nobody else has from what I've read so far. So Theresa Thank May you. apologized. So what... Theresa May... What brought um, that about? Uh, why Why did she apologize? When, I should say, and why? And then compensation. The last thing I read, it's not happening. Some people are getting it. It's not been forthcoming. The Home Secretary said that the, there were glitches and they were working through it or whatever. Can you just enlighten us a little bit on, on, on that front? Well, the... Um there, 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 there have been some heads that have rolled over this issue. Um, remember Amber Rudd? Yes. The Home Secretary resigned because, you know, she didn't seem to know what was going on in her home office. Uh, she resigned as Home Secretary. And then we had Sajid Javid, um, who came in um, uh, to the Home Office, Home Secretary. Uh, and then he apologized as well. Amber Rudd apologized. Um, Sajid Javid um, apologized. Uh, Theresa May apologized. When the Commonwealth Heads of Government Conference was held um, in London, uh, remember when the Commonwealth Heads of Government um, came to London, and Theresa May apologized to them. Yes, that was the one I remember. Yes. Uh, and uh, the position is that the fallout from that was that Barbados uh, recently announced that they would no longer hold Her Majesty the Queen as head of state. So of that was the reason for that. That very interesting. I believe that was the reason. And there, there seems to be some evidence for that. For the, 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 the former um, high commissioner for Barbados, Mr. Hewitt, mm -hmm. um, was uh, reported to have said that that played a part uh, in the decision. That may well have played a part in the decision to no longer hold the Queen, Her Majesty the Queen as head of state. Yes. You know, that, that's embarrassing. It, is, it, was, it was shocking. Yes. It was shocking. Yes. And that's as of sometime this year, right? Yes, I, th I think so. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's, um, I think later this year, it, it will be brought into force. Brought into uh, force and effect. And force and effect. You see, there are estimated claims of 500 million pounds. Mm. 
over the Windrush issues. There are tens of thousands of claims that are going in, but only a small proportion has been paid out so far. Right. You know, the um, the Home Secretary, the current Home Secretary, Priti Patel, um, had raised the basic minimum award, uh, and, um, you know, it was something like uh, 10,000, I think, and it, it's been raised to um, 100,000. And the basic minimum award um, is 10,000, and the impact on life goes up to uh, 100,000. So the figures that were originally announced were increased uh, after protests by several people. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's the position now. So let's see if they will be able to pay it out. I mean, Priti Patel had indicated that they were going to, but things were moving a, a little slower than anticipated. Uh, well, you see, we've had the intervention of the COVID yes. pandemic. And the United Kingdom has lost a lot of money over the last year. Let's not give them right. too much of an excuse, Colin. Well, <laughs> I think that's the reality. That's the reality of the situation. Yeah. So the uh, Chancellor has, and the Treasury will have to find that compensation to pay these people from somewhere. Um, you know, it's, 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 there's no question of it. Yeah. They'll yeah. have to find the money. Yeah. Otherwise, they will end up with large sums applied for in litigation. Large compensation claims. Yes. Will go be going through the courts. I'm hoping that a lot of those affected will have the wherewithal to pursue litigation if they are not compensated. Caribbean community in general. It's a culture of you do your work, you, you work hard and you keep your head down and you yes. do what you have to do. But with something like this, they need to be a lot more assertive, if not aggressive, in pursuing compensation. And that well, me, well, it comes back to the point that I mentioned earlier. There are some prospective litigants who don't wish to have that publicity. Yeah, you well... Know, if they were to come forward and if things go wrong, they could end up with nothing and could be removed or deported. I think there's a fear yeah. among some or, or, or some just don't want to have the hassle of going through litigation, don't, don't want to have um, the hassle or, or can't even afford to pay lawyers yeah, to, take, to up take the case. These legal claim, claims yeah. Yeah. because it will cost them money to sue. It may well line up to take test cases. 
But um, I don't know. I, I have no information on that score right. at the moment. Well, it's almost an open and shut case when when you oh, when you think oh, about yes. it. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Exactly. Um, but, but, but that must be so. Um, when you look at all the reports to which I've referred, uh, it must be so. Um, when the, the Home Office has apologized and they've said that, okay, we'll, we'll grant compensation to yeah. those who yeah. have been unfairly treated. We, we've made mistakes. Yes. They, they've, they've acknowledged yes. that mistakes were made. People were wrongly classified as being undocumented immigrants unlawfully in the country when they were perfectly lawful. Yeah. That so is... they, the, the Home Office has accepted that they made mistakes. It's just, it's mind-boggling to think that this happened. I can't help thinking that immigrants, whether from the Caribbean or Africans, tend to bury our heads, tend not to be as vigilant as we need to be on issues pertaining to immigration issues or government mm. policies and laws. What, going forward, would be advice, maybe one or two, that you would give to immigrants, whether in Britain or the U.S., because there are similar policies in places, particularly yes. during the last administration. What advice would you give to the Caribbean community in terms of taking care of business? The advice I would give is that they should come forward and see Lawyers, get legal advice and put in for their biometric cards, regularize their paperwork, don't stay on the ground because it will come back to haunt them later on because the law is still in place. Until that law can be amended and Repealed, perhaps. There are many people, tens of thousands, I understand, who are still vulnerable. Right. So they need to have their positions regularized. I'm assuming they entered perfectly legally, that they didn't stow away or come in on a small boat and enter the country surreptitiously. Right? Right. Um, that uh, is what I see as being a, a very important aspect going forward. Okay. Uh, and um, the, the second point, which, which I made earlier, is that there needs to be a change in the law to remove the hostile environment provisions. Because you see, the, the, the law is really asking landlords and employers 
to police people. That's not right. No. They're asking companies to ensure that people have their papers. And if they don't, not to employ them, not to grant them accommodation. So people would become vagrants. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, can't show the paperwork would end up destitute. And that's what's happened in some cases. Right. That cannot be right. And that's why I have argued, and I argue until I'm blue in the face, that there needs to be a reform of the law, get rid of those provisions that have led to all that distress among a particular category of people and can and can be used in the future against perhaps other categories other of categories people. right yeah yeah i i i agree with you i think that's the bottom line <laughs> that's the bottom line you have to remove those provisions Yes. The law has to be amended. You know, you know, it will depend on the goodwill of officials in the home office. Yeah. You know, if you get um, officials in the home office who are fair-minded and, and not um, anxious to, you know, apply the law rigidly to be more flexible and perhaps use their discretion um, uh, more favorably, fine. Then the law will not have that effect that it's been having right. over the last five years. Yeah. However, if the home office officials that are there now or that are to come decide, well, this is a law and we, we have to apply the law and apply it rigidly, strictly, literally. You know, law, law is a, an area of human relations, if I may put it that way, that can be enforced literally and strictly or can be enforced moderately, humanely, fairly, uh, in a way that gives effect to people's human rights. So there are two sides of the coin. Mm -hmm. It can either be imposed and effected harshly, rigidly, literally, and consequently unfairly mm -hmm. in violation of people's human rights mm -hmm. because it is 
in essence, a very harsh law, and by definition, hostile, hostile environment. Uh, the policy is one of hostile environment. Or alternatively, can be applied uh, in, in a manner that is not so onerous, unfair. But I would rather not have it on the statute book. I would rather it be removed. Yeah. And that certainly those provisions that talk about you know, having to prove your paperwork, you know, when, it, when it's pretty obvious that a person has lived and worked in the, in the UK lawfully since they were a child. Absolutely. I mean, it's ridiculous. It is, it is ridiculous. I mean, you know, you come in as a three-year-old. Who even thinks about keeping <laughs> papers for that length of time? Your parents have to have those papers to give to you, it's totally ludicrous. I'm glad that the Institute for Public Policy Research has picked up on your point that those provisions can't stay. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And, and I think that, again, as I said, I think that's the bottom line. And I think that we have to, yes, it has to go. It has to go. Yes. Colin, okay. you're the best. Thank you, Moronke. We thank lawyer Colin Bob Semple for sharing his knowledge and insight on the hostile environment policy. And we end with the 2018 speech delivered on the floor of the House of Commons by British Labour MP David Lammy. In this passionate speech, Lammy blasts the Home Office for the cruel and inhuman treatment of the victims of the Windrush generation. This is followed by the former Home Office Secretary Amber Rudd's response. Courtesy of British Television, ITV News. Well, can I say to the Home Secretary that the relationship between this country and the West Indies and Caribbean is inextricable. The first British ships arrived in the Caribbean in 1623. And despite slavery, despite colonisation, 25,000 Caribbeans served in the First World War and Second World War alongside British troops. When my parents and their generation arrived in this country under the Nationality Act of 1948, they arrived here as British citizens. It is inhumane and cruel for so many of that Windrush generation to have suffered so long in this condition and for the Secretary of State only to have made a statement today on this issue. Can she explain how many have been deported? She suggested earlier that she would ask the High Commissioners. It is her department that has deported them. She should know the number. Can she tell the House how many have been detained as prisoners in their own country? Can she tell the House how many have been denied health 
under the National Health Service. How many have denied pensions? How many have lost their job? This is a day of national shame, and it has come about because of a hostile environment policy that was begun under her Prime Minister. Let us call it as it is. If you lay down with dogs, you get fleas. And that is what has happened with this far-right rhetoric in this country. Can she apologise properly? Can she explain how quickly this team will act to ensure that the thousands of British men and women denied their rights in this country under her watch in the Home Office are satisfied? Mr Speaker, I share the Honourable Gentleman's admiration for the people who came here from the Caribbean and contributed so much to our society in many, many different ways, and that admiration remains in place. I am concerned that the Home Office is becoming, has become too concerned with policy and strategy and sometimes lose sight of the individual. And this is about... This is about individuals, and we have seen the individual stories, and they have been, some of them, terrible to hear. And that is why I have acted. That is why I have put a very clear time limit on the amount of time it will take to correct this. That is why I am so committed to ensuring that there is no cost involved. That is why I'm so committed to making sure that we can work across departments. We hope to be able to get the information that will be needed ourselves in the same way that we're looking ahead to the EU settled status, where we will be able to engage with other departments to look at national insurance and others. We will share, we will lead on finding the responsibility finding the evidence so we can get the documents for the people who need it. Finally, on one other point that he raised, I am not aware of any specific cases of a person being removed in these circumstances. That is why I have asked the High Commissioners, if they know of any, that they should bring it to me. And I would ask anybody here if they know of any such circumstances, they should bring them to the Home Office. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can also follow us on Facebook at Eyes on Africa Caribbean and on our website, eyesonafricacaribbean.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.